Hello and welcome to the Medea Film Podcast Series and today we're excited and really glad to have Andy Marsh here with us. Hi, uh, hello. Hello and let's just give a bit of a bio about Andy. So Andy is a fourth year classics undergraduate at Oxford right now and has done an incredible amount of work in her time there for the university. She is the founder of the Christian Cole Society for Classicists of Colour, which is a really integral group in Oxford and has also generally worked in access and outreach across the university, both in the classics faculty and Balliol College and specifically uh, to do with Balliol College last year, she wrote a race and discrimination report um, compiling um, the experiences of students of colour at, at Balliol College and, and accompanying that with a, a list of recommended changes to the college to be sort of immediately implemented to create uh, less of the hostile environment at the college and all of these uh, were agreed on by the college incredible work there and um, they're being implemented sort of as we speak now and she's very soon to just be completing her examinations and then from <laughs> September uh, she's going to be the deputy director of university access at Brampton Manor Academy starting um, sort of her, her future of working in, in access um, thank you so much for joining us today Andy. Oh well, thank you for having me. And let's just go. I mean, I don't think there's uh, any need to, 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 to say anything, but, you know, what is the problem with classics and race? Well, <laughs> this is <laughs> a, a, a very big question. And part of the reason it's such a big question is because this is a long term, long ingrained problem um, that I won't say begins, but has a lot of um, a lot of its origins in the 19th century, where classics has its big revival. It's, you know, people start to emulate the classics, they start to bring classics back. And often it's being used as a way to perpetuate empire. It's being used as a way to justify the atrocities that were done towards people in India, ju to justify the um, atrocities of slavery by using classical texts, um, classical art and um, you know, from that point, from that jump, um, classics then has these really intrinsic um, links with colonialism and imperialism that don't go and have not gone. Um, having that foundation for any subject is already going to be tough. We then have years and years of classics as sort of the privilege of the elite. It gets used as a subject that, um, you know, your posh white boys are studying in their schools and nobody else is. It becomes a gatekeeper, you know, to be able to pass specific exams, um, you know, like to get into Oxford and Cambridge, you had to be able to speak Latin until, a, you know, not actually that long ago. Yeah, not that long to, ago, which shocked Really people. not long ago. Yeah. You know? um, the 70s, I think, is when they got rid of that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, Indian civil service had loads of questions about classics. You're fun. You're funneled in from directly, actually, from Balliol College because of a man called Benjamin Jowett. He, you know, that's why Balliol was known as the Balliol Raj. You have got all of this stuff that's like building this really, really big link between classics and colonialism. There are loads of books on this as well. This is like a very, very well researched thing that people do still debate whether it's real or not. There is a lot that's been researched on this. Um, that already is going to create this hostile environment that makes it very, very difficult for people to break into um, if you exist outside of these sort of typical classicist um, that you would expect, i.e., you know, posh white boys. And then recently the diversity with posh white women, um, which is sort of as far as classics has been able to go so far. Um, a lot of that problem is also because of the stuff with, that you study within the subject is very, very well. 
some of this is of course to do with what um you know what texts survive um then we have to think about why those texts survive why those things are the things that have, have come back through to us um but it is a lot of the time studying old white men through the lens of old white men um and that's not going to appeal to you know i'm a young black woman I, what what can I learn from that? What can I get out of that? You know, I'm an anomaly in this subject. Um, so classics has lots and lots of these layers of race problems, all the way from how many of us do the subject through to what we're actually studying, through to the discipline itself being like actively engaged in really racist colonial imperialist acts across the world um so there's a there's a lot here to unpack and a major problem of this is that a lot of that is just not accepted or it's ignored or you know people love to have the blinkers on and just think of classics as this, the study of the ancient world in this bubble without thinking about the fact that history exists i don't know how well that answers your question there's a lot there is a lot there about what is wrong i think you've, you've well pointed out a lot of the issues in it in a much more concise way than and than many of the people i've spoken to have been able to but uh, I think what you point out, which is, which is, I think, probably the most important in affecting change is that people do have the blinkers on. And, and, and what do you think the sort of the current state is for people accepting, at least in your experience, having done so much work uh, in the UK, obviously between Oxbridge in particular, about, about classics and race? You know, where is the positioning, do you think, of uh, people and, and important people in faculties or, or in, in the people sort of deciding what the discipline is? Is there a movement of accepting this issue or are we still stuck? I hate to say it, we're still stuck. I mean, I have been working, so Christian Carl Society, I started in my third year. I'm now halfway through my fourth year. We're still having the same conversations. We're still having the same arguments over, you know, we get a textbook put on a reading list from a pro, like a documented pro-slaver with some really, grim views or some really grim descriptions you know that are in the you'll be reading a commentary and then suddenly it will be like oh yes this dusky negress I, I didn't need to read that and you know you raise any of these issues you raise concerns um about like what you're studying or being told that there is no eastern stereotype in you know the Herodotus you're reading and you're like I, I can see the stereotype right there um and you raise these issues and you get gaslit out of the faculty I mean it is absolutely ridiculous i am exhausted frankly <laughs> um trying to like we're still stuck in that stage of having to debate whether there is racism in the subject um when that work has been done like that that research has been done go read a book and then let's talk about how we can make this situation better um but i'm still having to sit there through faculty meetings through things and say the things that you're saying the books that you are recommending the things that, the ideas about the ancient world and about classical civilization and western civilization as this like natural inheritor um all of these things are really really problematic that they just refuse to listen to and you know i've been portrayed and um as you know i've been you know said in emails as like 
one undergrad has complained about this thing or you know a small minority of students have complained and we're all there going there's a reason we're a small minority because there's not that many of us who are here and you've just exposed yourselves there um <laughs> but also <laughs> that that doesn't mean that we, sh we shouldn't be listened to we get written over told but you must engage in the discourse you must listen to everybody's points of view you can't just not listen and we're saying but we have been listening we have been being forced to listen to this stuff and to read this stuff and we're telling you we disagree and here are some other things that you should maybe consider and we're being told that that's no 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 you're not engaging no we're we're not engaging in the way you want us to engage and you have a problem with that um so yeah you know at, at the moment i've had i've gone I don't want anything to do with classics. I don't want to stay on in the classics world because it just refuses to change or accept that, you know, it might have done something wrong. And how do you respond to, I don't know, something I, I constantly heard when doing, doing work on sort of decolonizing the English curriculum is, you know, well, it's English, it's about studying English, you know, these things are necessarily therefore going to be white. It's not relevant. Like how much do you want us to, you know, the, the common argument of, mm. yeah, but this is, and I'm sure you get the same thing. This is the ancient yeah. world. This is Greece and Rome. Rome was white, you know, these kind of questions. How do you sort of respond to people who are a bit like we're trying to, you know, people will go as far as to say, we're trying to sort of force our, our narratives on, on a subject which necessarily yeah. doesn't accommodate them. I, I heard that all the time. Uh, Sorry, just first... to make another point there, ignoring oh, yeah. the fact that England colonised a lot of the world and therefore a lot of the world is English speaking now. So well, the that idea was that English the point I was is not say. relevant is an, interesting, yeah. is an interesting... That was exactly what I was going to say, that um, firstly, just on this English thing, you forced us to speak English, but I, we shouldn't be speaking English right now. That makes absolutely no sense. The only reason I speak English is because my ancestors were taken from Africa to be your slaves. So I think... Um, we do have a stake in English speaking texts. We absolutely do. The next thing is, you know, what is classics? We have to now think about what we're saying classics is. And there's some really interesting things about like what the term itself means. It actually comes from words meaning things like the best. Um, and what, what are we talking about here? Um, a lot of people will tell you that classics is the study of the ancient world. Well, then if classics is the study of the ancient world, then surely it should be all of the ancient worlds, not just two countries in the ancient world. We should be thinking about Northern Africa, which we should be thinking about um, Asia, we should be thinking about ancient China, we should be thinking about all of these different people, but we're not, we're only focusing on Greece and Rome. And even if you say classics should just be Greece and Rome, you can't forget that all of these areas in the Mediterranean are interacting with each other. They're spent, you know, and from interacting, we mean from like violence, colonization, all the way through to trade negotiation. There is a whole load of stuff happening here. We see influence going both ways. We see lots of things where you have like portrayals in Egypt of Greek gods, but with like ram's horns, so that you've got these mis this miscegenation of cultures that's happening. You cannot study the ancient world and study only Greece and Rome without studying the people of color who they also are being around them, who they're also engaging with. And we have this huge problem, of course, with Egypt, which comes up all the time, um, because Egypt inherently goes against the argument that, you know, groups of color, cultures of color can't be advanced, if we want to use that term. Um, because it was and you can't so what we find instead is people trying to um, associate it with whiteness trying to say that all the Egyptians were Greek trying to say that oh because it was colonized by Greece in whatever whatever year um, that the importance there is 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 that um, rather than thinking about the fact that 
no, these are still people of color. Say, okay, even if there's lots of Greeks going over there, they're, they're mixed race then. Um, and I just think that, you know, whatever barriers we want to put on classics, we should think about those geographical barriers and those time barriers that we are putting on classics and why we might be putting those there because a lot of the time they are there to sort of uphold this view of white supremacy, to be honest with you. Um, when we put those in, even those are false. Even those are false. Even when we put in Greece and Rome as these barriers, like the connections between, we all know that the, the Ptolemaic dynasty is, is in pure connection just through Cleopatra with the Romans. Why are we not then studying what's going on in Egypt at the time? Why are we only studying what's going on in Rome? We can't, I just don't understand how you can study history within this tiny little vacuum. And do just for a little plug there, do go listen to our podcast on disrupting on how Egypt disrupts the ancient world, because I think it, it answers very well a lot of these questions, a lot of these cop outs. I mean, it's exactly what they are is cop outs of, of, of exactly. why why we shouldn't be engaging. But you certainly weren't someone who, who didn't engage. You created the Christian Carl Society of Classics of Colour. Uh, and that was really influential within the university, though, only founded, as you say, just a couple of years ago. Talk, talk to me about about why you founded that society and also the kind of the kind of work that that society does and, and the interesting sort of two-step process you have that, that you've that you've talked to me about yeah so I'm I'm very proud of this I'm very proud I was um sort of I just finished my second year and I was working on the unique summer school um uh, which does lots of access work with sort of state school students and deprived students um who want who have the grades to get into Oxbridge but there might be other barriers there often economic barriers or socioeconomic barriers and um the, the summer school that year was on race and we were talking about it and that was the first time in my degree that I had come across anything vaguely related to race in classics that was the first time I found out anything about the colonial links between classics I, I'd been there two years already you know that was the first time I had you know I'd ever thought about the fact that Medea, for example, could be really interesting for the diaspora in terms of um, identity and isolation and being transported away from your home. You know, all of these ideas I had never come across two years into my degree. And I was talking to the then outreach officer and he said, look, we've just got a Facebook group for the classes of color at the university. This should be turned into a, an actual society, into something that does something. Um, so I went away and made a mind map then and there. <laughs> I was like, this is what I foresee. I would like to do something to make to make this happen, because how have I managed to go this far without knowing about this stuff? This stuff is really fascinating. Um, and I started the society then and there myself, um, made the made the Twitter, we got over a 1000 followers within four days, showing, you know, there, there is a real appetite for this stuff. This is not something that is just like a, a, a small sort of side project. This is something that people want and are interested in, obviously. Um, and uh, I had I sent out a call just because I thought it would be really cool to get some lectures. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to find any academics who will want to. We had so many that we had to schedule two for each session. We did, I think, three three talks um, in our first term. Um, this is two months after setting up um, and had two academics per talk. And I had to turn away something like 20 academics from around the world who were sending me their CVs. Um, and I felt very underqualified <laughs> checking through these these um, these postdocs trying to you know saying oh we'd I'd love to speak I'd love to speak for you guys, um, and it just rocketed from there. Um, and we you know as as I set this up I went you know I want this to be two different things I want this to support um, 
clusters of colour at the university. There are not that many of us um, at all. I want this to be a, something to support them and also to grow this network around the country and now actually the world of classicists of colour, um, people within the field who are trying to study it because of these problems within the scholarship, as I've already talked about, you know, the history of classics as a discipline and like going against that. But also I wanted to bring some light to, um, and to like, sort of, what's the word? Like, focus on the voices that we don't hear, those marginalized voices of the ancient world that we do not hear about and bring those through, um, amplify them. Um, as well. So there's this sort of two-step thing of thinking about the people of colour in the ancient world and making sure we don't forget about them, but also the people of colour now who are within the discipline or who could be within the discipline. Um, and that's what the Christian Coral Society does. And, you know, we've organised lectures and um, we do lectures, we do seminars um, and talks. I've handed over now and they've sort of brought in, you know, the new committee has been doing some really interesting stuff about colour in the ancient world, colour of skin, but also colour in art, you know, linking all of these things. They've had, you know, discussions about how hip hop can relate to lyric poetry. You, you, there are so many different ways to approach this. And we've been doing, you know, all the ways we can. Um, we've also been doing things like, you know, we showcase what um, academics of colors experiences as academics of color, what that means, um, what that has meant in terms of their experiences with faculty, the racism they've experienced, um, the difficulties, the barriers, but also le letting people just talk about the stuff they're interested in and that they, they want to research. So we're not pigeonholed into only talking about race if we don't want to. Some of them will come and just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about this particular tragedy. And we're like, fab, go for it. That's amazing. Um, so it's been really exciting to see it sort of grow and change. And I think that as you know, the future, there's so much more that we can do. I hope that more we can do some more things with socials and things to really, really build on those networks. But now I've got, you know, contacts across the world who are classes of colour who we just can just have a chat about sort of these ancient world things. And I wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for Christian Cole Society. Um, and yeah, you know, I have sort of first years or people coming being like, oh my goodness, it, you know, how long has this been running? And I say, I started it in my second year, you know, it's, it's a year and a half old. It's a very, very, very young society um, for all it's done. And, you know, I find that um, the classics faculty hasn't been the most supportive with this. And I just think it's very, you know, interesting that me as an undergrad on my own, um, was able to start this, get people into talk, um, get us known, get our name out there so that people are asking to speak for us. And I feel like we've done more as a society than the classics faculty has in, I don't know how many hundred years, but okay. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> very interesting. I think as is always the case, as we proved with Medea originally and Oxford, as we continue to prove with Medea now, but so many people, as soon as you create the space, it is always, always, always full. There is never an instance I can I can remember in my own experience or speaking to so many people where they created a space for diverse people and then no one showed up. It's just not a thing. It never no. happened. And 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 as you well point out, you know, you did it in, in one and a half years without resource, certainly not the wealth of resource some of these universities do have. And um, you have managed to, you know, I've certainly seen some of these incredible, incredible talks. Uh, you've managed to, to, to line up an absolute wealth of individuals who are ready qualified uh, to mm. talk about these things and please do go follow them the christian car society all of their links will be attached to the podcast so make sure that you keep in touch with the work they're doing and perhaps think about certainly the students out there listening to this think about how you can engage with a lot of the things that the, the kind of work that they're doing but as you pointed out just now you know you've managed to make a lot of change in a pretty short period of time why is it that the classics outreach is not managing to make even even a tenth 
of that change? What is the problem with this access and outreach? Why is it not succeeding mm. if there is such a wealth of people out there who can engage with this topic? The first thing is, you know, going back to something I've already said, is accepting that there's a problem in the first place has been has been a major issue. If you do not accept that there's already a problem, then how on earth are we going to fix it? And, you know, there have been letters and things written. There have been lots of things and they always get sort of swept under the rug or we get, again, told to, you know, we must listen to all different sides of the viewpoints or um, or there isn't a problem. There isn't a race problem, as we all know from the report that just came out. You know, this country is very, very slow to accept that there are race problems in its institutions. Just to jump in there for those in the US who may not know, of course, Last sorry. Week, yeah, so we're, we're jumping across across the pond here. Last week, uh, this this being April, the UK government released a report uh, stating that there was no evidence of any institutional racism anywhere in the UK. So just to put that in context, you know, this is 2021, uh, nine months after one of the biggest race reckonings that, 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 that we've ever had in our lifetimes, for sure. Um, let's put that into context of just how extreme this denial is. It isn't the case of a couple of people pretending that racism is, isn't an issue. This is weirdly in a report denying institutional racism, uh, the biggest institution in the UK, that being the government itself, denying that there is any evidence for institutional racism, just to put that in context for, for those who, who aren't so aware of the report. Thank you. And I think that that really does like put into the backdrop how how much we've got to fight here, the how much there is left to do, um, because because this is the, the backdrop we're working on. And that is exactly how it works all the way through. Um, so I guess that side aside, things we could actually <laughs> things that actually could be accessed, things that we could actually try, um, because the problem is, you know, it's, it's a levels problem. I think one thing that, you know, one of the reasons that access now which isn't working is because of the the content of the courses currently and people do get back sidetracked a lot by curriculum discussions and I think they're really important and very very useful and we should talk about them here but we should also remember that curriculum is not the be all and end all and once you change a curriculum that is not solving any problems necessarily but it is one of the ways to do it um the curriculum doesn't appeal if the curriculum does not appeal to a wide range if it actually not only only doesn't appeal but actively excludes by its content and by the kinds of things that you're going to have to come across reading by the fact that you'll read about slavery without any any critical analysis of what that actually means um without any discussion about um you know you'll you'll be reading about these empires without any discussion of the fact that the british then use that to do their own empires if you don't incorporate those kinds of things into the corpus then of course it's not going to appeal to you know a kid from inner london is not like you know an inner london state comprehensive is not going to be interested in reading some of these things and i think there's some really really easy ways we can you know make this curriculum much more interesting i think you know a bigger focus on things like reception as soon as i talk to students on access courses about some of the reception work i do and what reception is you know this idea of how we have how people later in time look back at the ancient world they they perk up they perk up immediately and they go oh that makes a lot of sense because you know this is how I live or this is where my parents have come from and that sounds a lot like what happens in this text they can relate to it in a way that they couldn't with just the original I'm not saying can the originals I'm just saying we could add a lot more reception in as a real way for people to connect better with the courses I think we need to be studying more people of color I think we need to be studying more women just one week on women 
you know, in a whole term's worth of essays is ridiculous. There is a there is a lot that can be done to make the actual curriculum once you get to the university appeal to a 17 year old when they're looking through um, subjects that they want to study, but that can also provide the academic basis that they might want, you know, to go into further study or to be interested. They're not, it's not an either or, it's not a mutually exclusive thing. Both can be done. The other side, of course, is going to be lower down. It's going to be in schools. We have the a major, major problem with classics outreach is that it is one of the worst state school to private school ratios in terms of students. I think, a, you know, a few years ago, something like it's 37% state schooled in, in Oxford, that is, um, which is ridiculous when 93% of the country is, is state educated. Um, and of course, that is because of a lot of reasons um, that, you know, most of it is to do with the fact that our education system doesn't have classical teaching in state schools. And of course, for people of colour, the majority of us are in state state education because of these intersections between class and race, which we do, of course, have to remember when we're, you know, when we're talking about these things. Um, but if we can get more classical education into state schools, I think that there's much more of a, a chance of people then wanting to maybe go on and study it in the future. Um, because how are you meant to study a subject you've never heard of? I hadn't heard of it until I was in sixth form and I'm, I'm now, you know, doing my degree. When I talk about it back home, people have no clue what I'm studying. They do not understand. I think most of my family still don't know what I do. Um, and that's partly because it isn't built into our education system. And I think there's a lot that universities could do with that, with going into schools, with sending students into schools to run sessions. There is already a project that runs in Oxford like that, um, the Literacy Through Latin project. And I worked on this and I went into a school um, in uh, East Oxford and I taught a small Latin class once a week and you know none of these students had they knew a bit about the Romans you know they knew they existed but they didn't know much at all they learned Latin they learned a bit about the ancient world and they were then saying oh this is really cool like maybe when I get older I might look at classics they could never have done that if they didn't know what classics was um, and you know if we can't reform the entire curriculum and there aren't going to be classics teachers across the country then I think we should use the universities and the university students to really expand people's access to what classics is and what classics could be I think something really important in that last point as well is that as we've appreciated more than ever during the pandemic there is only so much a state school teacher can do and if that very state school teacher doesn't have a classics background and knows as little about the classics as her very students I think it's extremely important to note that therefore in this instance perhaps more in others the burden does fall on universities the burden does fall on those with the resources because the amount of, of uh, the importance as you well point out of this being done at a sort of teen level 13 14 um is extremely important and yet if you're in a state school state school like mine where you know you don't know a huge amount about classics none of the teachers know a huge amount about classics you're not going to be encouraging tens and tens of students to sign up and you cannot expect a teacher to bear that burden when also that teacher is bearing the burden whatever else is going on in that Absolutely. school and so the resources uh, this is where the university disconnect of saying but well, it's not really my responsibility and, and in many ways and I, I perhaps would agree with that in you know other subjects maybe it isn't the university's responsibility to be dealing with pre-GCSE students the university has to deal with itself but if you know classics wants to stay alive as a subject and, and that's the, the the simple fact is that if classics wants to be taught in any serious way in 50 years time this is an instance where it is only interests of everyone to certainly everyone in classics but i think really everyone in general to 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 um to to, to engage and actively engage with those younger students who and the sole reason they're not interested 
the sole reason they're not interested is because they just don't don't know what that is and I think what you point out there is, is super important which is the second you tell them and we see that through books like Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief you know I I read um, How to Train Your Dragon when a young kid and then when I saw Old English on the Oxford um, on the Oxford, uh, I studied English literature on the Oxford course, I was a bit like, oh, there's a connection there. And it's, it's incredible how much these, these young experiences do affect what you end up studying. And I think it's really important uh, that we engage in that. Absolutely, could not agree more. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that most of the people who had either heard of classics or who are now studying classics at some point read a book like Percy Jackson, which is a reception text. It's a text that is using the ancient world, but bringing it into a different sphere. Now, Percy Jackson itself, there are lots of problems with some of the things that it might say. There are some, you know, elements of it that I don't personally agree with um, because of some issues with classics and Western civilization. That aside, we could very easily harness the interest of a lot of students um, through reception texts. I think that that is really something that we're missing out on currently. There are loads that are around. There are receptions of the classics done by Caribbean authors, by African authors, by Indian authors, by, by every single ethnicity I can think of, every single na nationality I can think of, there are receptions done by those people receiving the classics. Of course, again, just like um, the fact that lots of countries across the world are English speaking, lots of them have links to classics because of empire and because of colonialism. So they have, so the people of those things have just as much of a link to classics as um, white counterparts in, in Britain. Um, so I think that that's a really, really easy way for us, for people to get interested in classics and to start to know it. And I would love for, you know, lists of recommendations from the universities of classical reception texts that, that, that schools could take up and say, you know, give these to your students, or you could give to an English teacher even to say, um, you know, if you've got students who are interested, this could be a really good basis um, for starting out having a bit of an idea about the ancient world. Because, you know, at the, at, you know, as a teenager, the only knowledge I had of the Greeks was from Percy Jackson. And it would be fabulous if, you know, I could have used that, but then also gone on to read something about I don't know, some some Caribbean poetry about Medusa, which I've now come across, which is absolutely beautiful and incredible and, you know, relates to me as a Jamaican woman. Now, I think that would be fabulous to sort of bring into the schools, show the young people that it is out there. It absolutely is. And, you know, as you've already said, and I think is really important, we shouldn't be surprised about young people being interested in classics, young people of colour, young working class people. We shouldn't be surprised by that. The, the, the surprise is not about the interest. It's not about like even any aptitude for it or, or ability in the subject. People of colour have been studying this subject for hundreds of years. Um, the, the surprise is, is not about that. And um, it's, it's about access to the things that is the problem. These people aren't interested not because they aren't interested or they're apathetic or any biological reason, which I've also heard. Um, I've also heard as, as a reason, yes. <laughs> um, but because they have been excluded from the facilities or the institutions that can teach them those. Um, as soon as you, you break those institutions down and the accessibility there, um, people are more than interested in studying these things. I think that what we've just done is pointed out a, a way forward, a, a perhaps a positive way to start including uh, students uh, and certainly young students of colour in this whole conversation. Can you um, perhaps think of 
uh, do you have any other recommend I mean the answer to this very well maybe no but do you have any <laughs> other sort of other recommendations of, of things that that people can be doing whether that be institutions or, or individuals to to start bringing people in this is I mean I think this is a one of a, one of I'm sure many brilliant ideas of, of how to uh, something that I can imagine would have appealed to me as someone who you know never dreamed of studying classics and yet is sort of currently making a career in it you know <laughs> what what is you know do you have any sort of other more positive thoughts about about what could be done that that will work Absolutely. Um, I think that we really should utilise the fact that so much has gone online recently and that, um, you know, schools and councils have been trying to make sure that students have internet access and access to computers. Of course, that's that's a, another problem that the pandemic has thrown up. Um, but that because we are in this coronavirus pandemic, so much more is available online. Online lectures, um, send, which are directed at, you know, year 12s, year 13s, that can be accessed by hundreds more students than, you know, a normal lecture theatre may have been able to hold. You can have as many people on a Zoom call or or a team's call um, as, as you need to. Um, it's, it's so much easier to, you know, do those kinds of things. I think that we should be thinking about our curriculum um, and our extracurricular, supercurricular, actually they say in the access world, mm. our supercurricular activities um, as more than just reading a book. There are lots and lots of things. I mean, all the stuff you're, you're doing with Medea, I mean, that is, that's already an immediate, an immediate way for students to get involved in this kind of thing. Um, any kinds of podcasts, any kinds of um, students talking about their experiences of studying classics. It's all over YouTube. It's all over um, all of these places. And I think as soon as you come across those things, and a lot of people in the classics world, you know, you're on classics Twitter or whatever, they get posted there. Look out for them, have a search for them, and then send them on. Use word of mouth, send them on to teacher friends, send them on to students email schools make you know if you've got time um within a faculty it'd be great to make a list of alternative resources that don't cost anything a lot of these are free a lot of these don't require resources like books which you know state schools like mine <laughs> we, you know, books is a big problem you can just send these rounds and people can have much easier access to the stuff that again as I say is out there it's just about bringing it to the people and just to note on that and obviously the Madea film is free needs to be freely accessible there can be no paywall there can be no limitation obviously internet poverty is something that both in the states and UK has been really really laid bare this last last year mm -hmm. and is, is an issue that needs to be tackled certainly on a governmental level there is nothing else but to, to again make institutional change with that but all of these resources that are being made available need to be made um, freely available to the students who, who really don't have any other means to get them and, and that is what is super important we cannot be putting even even with 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 schemes some fantastic school schemes and, and things to get people involved in, in subjects like this they all require some kind of payment and unless they're coming with mass bursary schemes they cannot they cannot we cannot make these things uh, subject to economic boundaries, because as we well know, those economic boundaries always, always, always drastically affect people of colour much more, just something that I think is important to point out. And, and hopefully, and I know we've sort of discussed this, hopefully as much as the hostile environment continues, we also have seen in the last year, perhaps, you know, the biggest space for this change for this change to happen. I mean, this very existence, the existence of our play and how many universities and, and things have signed up to this very podcast series is hopefully an example of, of that. Yeah, and you know, I hope that people have been listening over the past year 
to all of the people who have come forward. I think this has been there's been a real surge over the past year, especially since George Floyd last year, of of of, of everybody saying enough is enough. We have absolutely had enough again. You know, we're all knackered and we've all been putting so much in. And I hope people have been really listening to some of these things because a lot of people, you know, we're we're bringing forward ideas as well, solutions for change, ways that things can be improved, um, as well as flagging the, the major, major problems. So as you say, yeah, there, there is a real voice now. Um, you know, there's a real space now for people to be heard. And I hope that we actually are being heard um, right now as we are speaking a lot louder than we have for a while. Um, I also hope that sort of people will take from this that Yes, we do need to target, you know, the schools, we do need to increase our diversity, we need to increase our, our numbers, our inclusion here, um, but we also need to remember that access doesn't stop once you get the students in. Access also should be continuing throughout um, while the students are there, making sure that, that's, that the space is prepared for students um, who are not from typical classics backgrounds to be supported while they, while they are at the university. And that's, I think, another, another stage of things that we need to be really thinking about is, are our language courses, are our history courses, how many assumptions are being made about people's prior knowledge um, before when you go into sort of teaching a class? I don't know how many sessions I went into and when I wouldn't know that. And they went, oh, did your, your classics teacher? And I was like, what classics teacher where? You know, or um, you could borrow this book from your classics department. I didn't even know schools had a classics department. So th there, is so, there are so many things that we can do, you know, to get more students in, but then also to make sure that that place is an okay place for students to not only exist, but then thrive. That is an incredible point. And I think that this has been a really... I, I think a really productive uh, it's a half hour session discussing issues. <laughs> it's crazy how much we, we've managed to get in there. And, and thank you so much, not only for, for obviously speaking, but for being so honest about both your own experiences and the work that, that needs to be done. And I think that what's refreshing from you and from so many people uh, that we've been speaking to through this podcast series, it, it's so refreshing to see that there are changes that can be implemented tomorrow. All we need is the right allyship of people to make those changes and I think that the more and more it's proven to be practical doable and something that 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 not only should be done but just absolutely needs to be done and um, the more I think that we'll be seeing those changes thank you so much for joining us today Andy thank you so much for having me this is great <laughs> and thank you so much everyone everyone listening do check out the other other podcasts in this series and obviously check out the Medea film <laughs>